The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, Pro Football Hall of Fame head coach Bud Grant led the Minnesota Vikings to four Super Bowl appearances in 18 years. But what did you do before that? Where did he come from? You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. Ladies and gentlemen, how y'all doing? Yeah, I'm back. (laughs) I'm sorry I took so long off. Hey, you already know what it is. NFL historians, lovers of sports history, welcome. This show is for you guys and gals. And again, there's always people that already know this stuff. And that's great. Congratulations. But this show exists to help those who don't know as much about NFL history. And we are to do three things here. I am trying to enlighten, teach, and learn. It is the Behind the Mic Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Neal Jr. This show is presented by Billy Up Sports. Billy Up Media, baby. Billy Up Sports Podcast Network. Check us out, BillyUpSports.com and all of those other shows that are out there. We have a great lineup. You can check us out online. You can check us out on YouTube. And of course, here's all the favorites. Our home base is Megaphone. Yes, Megaphone, all one word. And uh, you know the favorites, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Of course, there's Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and again, YouTube. So yeah, I had to take a little time off. One, we was all set to do this show on last week, and then the umpteenth storm hit. And I mean, I like my little complex over here. You know, these little uh, these townhomes we live in, but it's gotten worse and worse. It's only been up maybe about four years, but we're on a grid by ourselves, I think. And everybody else around us, the regular houses that have been here for years. They're on another. So our power, at first, actually, their power would be out and ours would still be going. Well, as the years have gone by, and this is like going into our third year here, it's been the reverse. A storm hits or the wind blows a little bit too hard. Our power is out and everybody else's is on. And it takes them forever to turn them back on. So, I mean, look, we're back. And also it took off. I had my daughter. uh, She ran in her last... Uh, I think it was her, her last city meet. Uh, and, um, you know, she she did okay. She could have been better. She needed to eat next time and not be dehydrated. And uh, But, I mean, she did. She had to have had a short season but a pretty good season. And, you know, she's about to be off to high school. Congratulations to my baby girl, Makai Neal. But, hey, we're back. We're here. It's NFL time. So let's go. Um, Bud Grant. We all know Bud Grant. Uh, when he was still with us, Bud Grant, head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, 18 years, including, you know, that one year he sat out in 84 after retiring in 83, came back in 1985. Uh, so you have that and regular season record, 158, 96 and five. And then overall, 168, 105 and five, 10 postseason wins, four Super Bowl appearances and Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 1994. We know that. And for the younger generation that didn't really know him very well, 
uh, and obviously missed his career completely, weren't even born to maybe 1985 or later in the 90s. I mean, he's that former coach of the Vikings in the 2016 NFL playoff game when the Vikings played against the Seahawks at home. He comes out sleeveless for the coin toss. He told Roger Goodell, hold my coat. It was minus six degrees outside and minus 25 degree wind chill. Well, the football world lost Bud on March 11th, 2023. But the question was, and I I remember, you know, when it happened, I was like, I can't rush this. I'm going to take my time. Some people, they'll drop a show, you know, right on cue. But that's not where I was. I said, I'm taking my time. I have that power. I have that uh, freedom. And but the question was, all right, so how, what angle am I going to go with this? And I'm not telling you stuff that you already know. We know about his Vikings career as a coach, but not everybody knows where he came from. Not everybody does. What did he do before he was head coach of the Minnesota Vikings? Kick the music. So Harry Peter Grant Jr. He was born May 20th, 1927 in Superior, Wisconsin. Uh, I've been reading a really, really good book. Before I go further into the show, it was it was it's an autobiography that was kind of co-written uh, just in Bud's own words, and it was co-written by author Jim Bruton. He's made a lot, he's written a lot of books. He actually signed a couple of football con- contracts, pro, pro football contracts, with the Vikings as well as the Dallas Cowboys, and uh, he's a lifelong Vikings fan. Come to find out, um, but. This book was really, really awesome, and it's called I Did It My Way. But Bud Grant and Jim Bruton, a remarkable journey to the Hall of Fame. And you just find out so much, you know, exactly when it comes from their own words as well as their others' uh, accounts and everything. You put it all together when you read a book or, 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 or anything like that, and you find out a lot about these people that you had no idea. Now, I'm sure Viking fans really know they know this very well i'm i'm pretty sure most viking fans would and then there are some that don't again that's why this show exists but uh when when grant was born in 1927 uh, apparently i guess it, this occurred later on he had polio when he was younger and athletics was a way for him to heal so he took to it immediately and almost immediately and then uh, um he began to he actually had a limp and further on what I read would amaze me. I, mean, I had no idea that he tried out for the St. Louis Cardinals at age 15. He went to a camp uh, for a trial a whole week, you know, and he's like, man, I never ate so good. And they fed us every day and I, I filled up on food. You know, I had enough money to get down there and to get back, you know, to do what I had to do in between, you know, paying the, whatever the, the meals were for all three meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The guy loaded up. Uh, but he said that the Cardinals never called him back. So, I mean, but thank God because he became a really, really great football coach. But anyway, um, even in Superior, when the NFL training camps opened up, the New York Giants were right in their backyard of Superior, Wisconsin. And the football field happened to be next to the baseball field that was uh, where, the camp, the, where the Giants held their training camp. And his father, Harry Sr., that is, had a concession stand there. And there will always be, you know, giant players. And then, of course, head coach at the time, Steve Owen, who was a, a, a player in his own right at uh, before that. He always told uh, Steve Owen, my boy is going to play for you one day. Well, I mean, came up a little short, played in the same division, 
kind of technically uh, some years later he played against Steve Owens teams that was you know we'll get to that in a minute but uh, Grant was a, was an athlete he was he, he grew up to be an athlete uh, he played football basketball and baseball in high school like a lot of athletes did they played a lot of sports and he didn't uh, start a game in football his freshman year that is but he played every last one except the last one because his coach uh, by the name of Harry Conley was saving him for basketball basketball apparently was going to be his sport and in basketball he started every single game except the first one uh, and their team went on a, a sort of Cinderella run in this into the uh, state tournament and they fell one game short of the final but he did all of this as a 6'3 ninth grade freshman. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what I read. And he was really good at baseball as well. I mean, he got tried out for the Cardinals. You know, he didn't get a call back, but he was pretty good. Um, and at 16, he was selected for the East-West All-Star game that was played in Comiskey Park in Chicago. I mean, not everybody gets selected to be the starting pitcher, which that's exactly what he was. Grant was recruited heavily in high school by the University of Wisconsin. I mean, you born in Wisconsin, you think he was going to go there. Hmm. Well, he also was recruited. Well, not. Well, he was recruited by the University of Minnesota. But, you know, this is a guy that actually wanted to go to the military. He wanted to serve his country. And uh, this is what he talked about in that book. How, you know, he, he, loved, he played these sports for the love of the game. That was something he said over and over again. But at that point, you know, you're in World War II at the time. Okay. He wanted to serve his country, and he did just that, even though it was short. After he graduated from high school, and he missed his high school graduation, by the way. He, he was already on the bus on his way um, to the Navy. Great Lakes Naval Training Station. Stop me if you've heard about this place before. And this was in 1945, and he actually played football under another eventual Pro Football Hall of Fame coach, Paul Brown. Yes, this was happened to be one year before Brown would leave to coach the Cleveland Browns in the All-America Football Conference and went to the pros. And also one of his assistant coaches, another eventual Pro Football Hall of Famer, was Weeb Eubank. And uh, he was actually, obviously, you know, if you know Weeb Eubank, he was eventually the uh, head coach of the Baltimore Colts and the Super Bowl champion, New York Jets. Graham was in great company. He also played with Marion Motley. I mean, yeah, I mean, one of Paul Brown's studs, Hall of Fame fullback in pro football, right? So yeah, he, had, he was surrounded by some really some some greatness in the football on the gridiron, so to speak. I actually hate that word, but um, he was a starter by the end of the season, his first year, and they actually beat third-ranked Notre Dame. So uh, that was that they had a very good football team when Paul Brown was there, and Bud Grant was a part of that playing in he was a receiver uh, he also played on the defensive side too but in august of 1945 the u.s united states they dropped the atomic bombs on hiroshima and nagasaki right effectively ending the war so soldiers would return from overseas something that grant you know never even had to do he didn't go overseas all the time uh that he was spent was around great lakes in illinois this was in chicago um before being sent to Treasure Island in San Francisco. It was a point system that the Naval uh, Academy, that the Navy went by in order to discharge one from the service, not the Academy, my, my fault. Uh, but as a memo, there was a memo 
that Grant was walking past. He just happened to look over and glance at it on the board. And it was a change to those rules on those point systems. And just to make it simple, basically if one was registered in an accredited university program, he would be immediately discharged. Grant called up Wisconsin head coach, Harry Studler. Now this guy was the one that was recruiting Grant to play football at the University of Wisconsin. And so he's like, hey coach, uh, can you help me out? You know, I'm in the military and this is my situation and I'm really ready to go. And so Strudler had registered him in a music program. And just like that, Grant was discharged from the Navy. You now these officers, the head officers, they did not like that very much. Are you serious? So we're, we're doing this thing and these boys have been overseas. And then, you know I mean, it's what it was. And, and you made the rule and I took advantage of the rule and I'm out. But check this out. Even though Wisconsin did offer this guy, offered Bud Grant a car, a job at a sporting goods store and $100 a month for a for Grant. He chose the University of Minnesota instead. Why? He wanted to be closer to his family. That that university was closer to Superior. And so, you know, just looking at the map, that's what it was. And that was a hard call that he had to make to the head coach of Wisconsin. And I mean, he wasn't I don't think he was happy about it, but he said that he understood the situation. And Wisconsin, I mean, Wisconsin was offering all this stuff. Minnesota was offering nothing. And I do mean nothing. There was more than just being close to his family. Grant would be free to play football, basketball, and baseball. The latter, which takes place in the spring, as opposed to being forced, as Wisconsin wanted to do, they wanted to force him to play spring ball, which he didn't want. He didn't want that. So at Wisconsin, he would have had a scholarship as well. That's, I mean, it's great, but like I said, Minnesota had no scholarship on the table. And Grant was paying for his room and board through his $75 a month GI Bill he got from his military service. In order to eat and do other things, he had to get a job. And he did so moving furniture, uh, but he also scalped his football ticket. So they got six tickets, according to Grant. And he would have two for his, for his mom and dad. And then the other four, he sold them. And that's how he made some money. And I'm literally, this guy paid his way through school. He did, and, and that's amazing. And during his years in school at the University of Minnesota, Grant earned nine letters playing football as a wide receiver and in uh, basketball. He was the MVP of the baseball uh, MVP with basketball team, and he played baseball from 19 all this from 1946 to 1949 for the Golden Gophers. And in football, he was two-time All Big Ten. All right, pretty good player and well-rounded player too. He was a starting forward in basketball and played center field as well as pitching for the baseball team. And he led them in hitting as a freshman. So the National Basketball Association or the NBA as we know it now was established in June of 1946. And that same summer, Grant had already made his decision to attend University of Minnesota after being discharged from the Navy. Four years later, Grant was drafted by both the NBA and the NFL in 1950. Now back then there were more rounds not only in the NFL but also in the NBA and Bud Grant was selected 47th overall in the fourth round by the Minneapolis Lakers. Yes, those Lakers before they left for LA in 1961 but there was a story behind him getting drafted. Boy, this guy made a way. Bud Grant had paid his way through school all four years, right? So he had a longtime friend by the name of Sid Hartman 
Hartman, who had become a longtime sports journalist in Minnesota, was working behind the scenes as the acting general manager for the Lakers. Grant, who had lived most of his college years under the football stadium, by the way, because he didn't get that room and board like in a dorm. He was living, along with some others, in the football stadium a majority of his time there. And this guy was scalping these tickets and he hustled for his money. He was drafted actually on a hardship due to Hartman's plea to the to uh, in Grant's behalf to the NBA. Grant wasn't exactly thrilled. He said he didn't. He wasn't exactly happy about that. It's like, look, I worked and paid my way through this, but I mean, if this is what it's going to take, then I guess all right, so be it. But uh, especially since he paid his way through college, fine, he made his way through college financially. So Grant chose basketball, and. $3,000 being his first NBA contract with the Lakers. And in doing so, he became the first hardship in NBA history. Bud Grant not only played football while at Great Lakes, but he also played on the basketball team. And one of those games was against DePaul University in Chicago Stadium, where he played against future basketball Hall of Famer, George Mikan. Yes, the big tall guy, yeah, with the glasses. And uh, became team. they became teammates in 1950. That's pretty cool. Grant's NBA debut was on Christmas Day. He was sick actually with food poisoning and head coach Johnny Cudler knew it so he asked Grant if he was okay to play and he put him and put him in just before halftime uh and Grant, oh, I'll give it a shot and just before halftime Grant scored his first NBA points which was a half court three-pointer as time expired and uh it's to be noted he did the same thing in high school as well as in college you know that, that I mean you can't make this stuff up uh, in 1951, 1952, those Lakers finished 40 and 26 second in the NBA West Division. The Lakers beat the New York Knicks in seven games to win the NBA championship that's that next year. So from what I've read and what came directly from Bud Grant's mouth was that he played sports again for the pure love of the game. And he wasn't fond of going to class, going back to Minnesota, right? And he got it all done, but in the end, money talks. This is a guy, again, he paid his own way, made his own way. One thing Grant wasn't used to was sitting on the bench, though. Sure, he played a very integral role, but sitting on the bench most of your career to that point and averaging 2.6 points per game, that ne you know, never coming off the floor in high school and college. That was a big difference. So professional, different from college and high school, right? So he was not used to that. But he could he adjusted to it. He played a really good role. But there was also a big difference in the dollars. And the NFL offered way more. So decisions, decisions, decisions. Again, going back to 1950, the Philadelphia Eagles selected Bud Grant in the first round. In the first round of the 1950 draft as a wide receiver, 14th overall. And the Eagles at the time, they actually offered Bud Grant $7,500. Uh, you know, that, con that, that was the contract, but he played for the Lakers instead. And when he opted to play football, um, that you know, with Philly, he the offer actually dropped to just seven grand, 
And he was actually trying to negotiate, thinking, hey, you know, y'all wanted me and you drafted me in the first round. And, you know, what's up with this money? Let's 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 take it back up, maybe even higher than that. Uh, they wasn't budging. So, you know, that's it is what it was. Um, it was still more than what he was making with the Lakers. And you also must remember, and he pushed this point, look, I just got married as well. So Grant played along players when he signed with the Eagles, playing along guys such as Steve Van Buren, uh, Pete Files, and Chuck McNarrick. Um, and Grant actually played his first year primarily on defense as a linebacker and a defensive end. And he led them in sacks before that was a stat in his first year. But he wasn't pl happy playing on defense. You know, he got the job done. But he wasn't happy. The next year, he got a chance to beat out starters as wide receivers and took one of those jobs from them. And the result was 56 catches and 997 receiving yards, which was second in the NFL. Oh, and seven touchdowns. He knew he deserved to be paid. The guy was, was pretty good. But the crazy part is, during one of those years he was there, he actually uh, he said he tore his ACL, but anyway you slice it, a knee injury which he played through and that's possible but he knew he deserved to be paid and the eagles they weren't trying to cut that check here's the situation the eagles had come off of three straight championship game appearances between 1947 and 49 they won back to back on those last two years in 48 and 49 philly finished philly finished right at 500 six and six i believe in 1950 and then they were sub 500 in 1951 bud grant was one of those pieces that put them over 500 finishing with a seven and five record in 1952 their best since their 49 championship season so he went to the eagles management he wanted to get a raise which he did deserve he asked for eleven thousand dollars they offered him eight but he had an ace in his back pocket now while he was in cleveland grant and this was a game grant ran into a former chicago bears uh, All-Pro Center, George Trafton, who was the current head coach of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He happened to be there at the game between the Browns and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and he was the head coach of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers of the Canadian Football League. Grant wasn't happy, again, playing just defense. This is during his first year, right? He asked Trafton what it would take for him to be able to play for him in Canada. So, Trafton told him the truth. It can't be done because you're still under contract with Philly. This is your first year. But during his contract negotiations two years later, during his second year, he called Trafton at his house. Trafton wasn't there. His wife answers the phone. He leaves a message with her to give to him to call him back. This is the situation. Tell him to hit me back up. All right, I'm sure he didn't say it that way. But around 4 a.m., the phone rings. What do you want? Trafton says. So Grant picks it up. Uh, and, the, and the long story short, Grant asked for 10 grand in order to pay for him to play for him in Winnipeg. And Trafton agreed to it. The next morning, Grant meets with the Eagles and the general manager, Vince McNally. He was the GM at the time. He offered them the eight grand steal. Grant asked for 11, and there was a stalemate in the end. Grant played out his option and became a free agent and ended up signing with the Blue Bombers. All right, so between 1950 and 1952, and this is a guy who worked hard for his money, paid his way through college. He's got a family now. And look, I need to make some cabbage here, so I'm gonna have to make some moves. And so he went from making zero dollars 
to 10 grand by 1953. That's great. And for the next four years uh, in the Canadian Football League, Grant played both ways as a wide receiver and a defensive back. And he was an all-Western all-star in 1953, 1954, and 1956. And you know, the, he led the league in receiving in his first year. That's pretty good. In the all-star game, he actually intercepted five passes. But that's not the biggest story after that game in Vancouver. All right. So Grant wanted to see why they was there, if there was going to be an earlier flight, flight going back from uh, going back from Winnipeg instead of sitting around all day, going back to Winnipeg, actually. Not from. They want, you know, he's he's there, Vancouver, the all-star game. He's trying to get back to Winnipeg, uh, you know, trying to get on an early flight just in case. So instead of waiting all day. And, uh, you know, he was told there was a full flight and he had put himself as well as his teammates on the list. I believe that most of the the um, teams at the time, they had about five to six players per team that were on the all-star team. So I do not know exactly how many teams there were in the CFL at the time. Okay, charge that to my head. But the, the thing is, is that, all right, so I'm going to get on this flight as well as my teammates, and we're going to get out of here a little bit early. So he's getting ready. He's got his bag and he's getting ready to head out. Um, and he gets a call from the airline saying that there was some room if you still want to return early to Winnipeg. And so he said, OK, we'll take it. The next morning after the game, Grant and his teammates all showed up except for one. His name was Kyle, Cal Jones. Twice they called the man. Hey, you know, get up. We're going to take this flight and you still sleep. We, you know, we got to get to the airport or whatever, whatever. And so uh, they called him. And on the second call, Grant even offered Jones to help him pack. Because Jones was like, look, I had a long night. You know, give me a minute and I'll get there. He fell back asleep, apparently. And on that second call, Jones said, look, I'm going to stay in bed. You guys go ahead. I'll just take the later flight. As it turned out, unfortunately, there was a report that that plane later disappeared, that late plane disappeared. I mean, Grant and his rest of his teammates, you know, they landed in Winnipeg and went on about their business. They didn't find this out until a little, a little bit later. As it turned out, it crashed into a mountain, killing everybody on board, including Cal Jones. That was sad. Um, and what was even crazier is that Bud Grant and his other teammate Bob McNamara was still on the manifest as passengers. I read in a book where you know he had found this stuff out and he ended up because his, I think his mother-in-law went to his wife Pat and is like Pat Grant is like oh my god this has happened they're saying that Bud was one of the guys on the plane but Grant had to call and chill them out and say no I wasn't on the plane you know we made it back and, and everything obviously I mean that that's a frightening and a, a very, very frightening situation. And um, I mean, the guy, he could have been, he probably should have been on that plane. And he did not. God has a plan. Had to slide that in there. But you know, that, that was um that was just amazing. My jaw dropped. These kind of things, you know, they just they just happen like that sometimes. And uh thank God he wasn't on that plane. He had a longer life to live and a, a long Hall of Fame career to cement but Bud Grant was approached by 
eventually after his plan during his plan days he was approached by the winnipeg management about being their head coach and it's to be noted that according to bud grant when he first got there got to winnipeg none of the people running the football team specifically the committee that operated kind of like green bay with those ownership you know knew nothing about football though green bay ownership you know it's like a, a you know how green bay's ownership they don't have like a single guy but they had winnipeg had a, a group but this group unlike the people that are operating with uh you know green bay this group knew nothing about football they knew absolutely nothing about football long story short after going through uh ali sherman who actually was the head coach of the Giants later on. Ali Sherman was the coach of the of, of the Bombers. Uh, they went through him. He ended up getting fired. And this guy, apparently, he just did not have uh, a very good relationship with the players or the management. And this guy came from, they, they would grab certain Americans and bring them to Canada, whether they was coaching or players. And now I think they limited the number of players from the U.S., as a matter of fact, which is you know something that I had no idea about. But Ali Sherman, he was, again, the eventual head coach of the New York Giants. He didn't go get along with the players of the management like Grant did. And Grant decided to take the job if he could coach only. They wanted him to be a player and a coach. He's like, no, I'll just have to focus on one thing. And at age 29, Bud Grant became Winnipeg's next head coach. And he got a $1,000 raise in order to become uh, that coach at $12,000. Ten years. They only signed a one-year contract, by the way. But 10 years, he was the coach. Six Grey Cup appearances. That's the Super Bowl for the CFL. Six Grey Cup appearances and four championships. 58, 59, 61, and 62. CFL Coach of the Year in 1965. And he also became the winningest coach in franchise history with a record of 102, 56, and 2. And eventually, the Minnesota Vikings came called. Bud Grant had spent 14 years in Winnipeg as a player and a coach. He said he loved it, although he's like, look, I like, I, I love living in the States more. He loved living in Canada, in Winnipeg. He loved the people and everything about it, but it was time for him to do something even greater. And he chose that job with the Minnesota Vikings. They had just fired Norm Van Brocklin, the Hall of Fame quarterback, who ended up being a coach. And Jim Finks uh, called Grant up to see if he was interested in the job. Grant got the job. Yes, but he had to get out of the new contract he had just signed with Winnipeg. And they weren't trying to let him out of it. They had just signed a new team president, and that president didn't want to let him out of his contract. But after speaking with the management committee, Grant was released. 1967, Bud Grant was named the new head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. And the rest, they say, is history. Later on, Bud Grant would become the first to be named both to the Canadian and Pro Football Hall of Fame. And he even got a statue. Rest well, bud. That's it. References. Thanks to ProFootballReference.com, ProFootballHallOfFame.com, BasketballReference.com. Yeah, BaseballReference.com one, one day, and now I'm doing basketball. It's pretty cool. StatsCrew.com as well, and the Canadian League Football Hall of Fame. Also, GopherSports.com, and this was their bio on Harry Bud Grant. Also, the book, get it if you don't have it, if you're a Vikings fan. I Did It My Way, A Remarkable Journey to the Hall of Fame by Bud Grant and Jim Bruton. This has been the Behind the Mic Podcast presented by Billy Up Sports. I'm your host, Michael Neal Jr. Billy Up Sports Podcast Network, BillyUpSports.com. Check us out. Go to that website. Click on it. Read the stories. 
uh, listen to the shows, check out the merch, and you can see and hear our shows on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitch, Stitcher, eh, not Stitcher, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Tell all your friends and family about this show, or I will. Yeah, it's me. Find your house. I'm out. <laughs>